All right, welcome back. Wow, Noah, what sweet tunes were those? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to drop in there. Oh, okay. Something new, something from a forthcoming. Maybe we'll go. I, I don't know. I do have... This is coming out... I guess this will be the second now. Uh, I do have a new EP coming out on the 5th on Friday. It's called West Ash. It's just a nice little... Uh, <laughs> A little ambient EP to uh, to kick off the new year, to ease you uh, into the new year, to help you relax into the new year. So uh, yeah, maybe we'll use some of that. I don't know what track, but uh, yeah, it'll be a little preview, but that'll be available on all the major music services. Uh, and again, that's NARC, lowercase n, all caps, A-R-K, after that. Uh, yeah, check it out. Drops on Friday. Very excited, very happy with it. Let me know what you think. Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, thanks for thanks for the plug, brother. I guess that's what we'll do. And uh, you, you want to kick off the top five? You want to flip? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. All right. My number five was Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. Um, feel like we don't we talk about him a lot with certain things, maybe. Oh. Some movies we haven't really delved, delved into as much. Well, he makes like other two, two, three movies a year. Or right, this is what yeah. it feels like. Yeah, he's just there. To the point just... where I thought this came out last year, going to be honest with you. Oh, okay. That's how long ago it feels. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. No, I just... um, I, I, I He's one of those guys that like... I would not expect this to be his something that he tackles. So when I saw like the, you know, premise story subject matter, I was just kind of like, huh, this is the guy who made like, because again, I feel like you get to know a certain director. You get like, you kind of get into vibe with them. Then you, you, they do something that's a departure and you're kind of like, what? It's like, uh, did Wes Craven direct music of the heart? Like that's that's his movie, right? Yeah, that was also a huge passion project for him. Right, yes. but no, that's what I'm saying. You, it is a passion project for him. So, like, I wonder, and I don't know, and I haven't looked it up. What about this story? Is like so, like, compelled him to like? I'm gonna do a whole. You know, I'm gonna get Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, I'm gonna do this big thing, and it really, the ultimately, what his drive really doesn't matter. I, I just, I don't know. I really, I like the story. I, I feel like it's one of those things that like we don't talk about. I feel like there's not a big talk about how like we spent so much time in the desert and we're still in the desert, but we just collectively just said, okay, well, we're done. And we so, left. Sorry, so you, you you're doing it again. What's that? You said you said like the story is a huge departure for him. Like as a director, you're surprised that he took it on. What? Is the story of the, oh, the covenant? Story. Sorry, yeah, the story it's, <laughs> for it's people about who a... may not be familiar or may have forgotten that it came out this year and maybe don't know who's in it, etc. Okay, so Jake Jake Gyllenhaal plays a um, uh, U.S. serviceman who, um, while this is based on a true story, correct? Based on a true story, while on a a raid, his entire team was taken out except him, and the only person that survived with him was his interpreter and his interpreter basically carried him back through, you know, hundreds of miles of, of Taliban controlled 
Afghanistan to, you know, to get him to safety. And then basically when he is, he gets flown out of country, he kind of finds out that like, yeah, we, we dropped the ball. Like we haven't, we haven't gotten this guy out. We haven't done anything for him and his family. And, um, I haven't looked into the true story, but in the film, the, the interpreter originally worked with the Taliban until his son was killed by the Taliban and, um, decided that he would just, he would just rather, you know, spend the rest of his time basically taking it to the Taliban, a la, um, wrath of man kind of thing. Maybe that's his new shtick is like, this... we got to find characters that yeah. like, what you could go back and kick in at? January. Probably. I just, let me look and see. Maybe that's why for some reason I, I could have sworn I thought this was like I thought this was like a holiday release last year or they snuck it in or something. But I think you're yeah, I mean you're hundred percent right. No, April it is April twenty twenty one. April. It, it feels like forever ago. Yeah. Wow. This one's slipped mm -hmm. right past me. Still have not seen it. Uh where 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 can I watch this? Um, I watched it on Amazon Prime. So you did not see this it. one in the theater? No, I didn't. I didn't. I mean, it, that's April. What am I doing in April? I'm, uh, um, I guess I'm gearing up for Fast X. I don't know what I'm doing in April, but yeah, no, I wouldn't. I didn't. I did. Again, you say if you feel like it came out forever ago. I like last year, I, I had no idea. I kept seeing like the covenant, the covenant, but I didn't realize it was a Guy Ritchie movie. For the longest you thought, time. You thought they were soft rebooting The Covenant. The Covenant. Right. Exactly. The That's a boy witch movie, right? Uh, yeah, I thought it was about a bunch of witches. But then I see, I'm like, I've seen the name. Yeah. Now I see that it's like, oh, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, well, which does he play? Aren't, well, these guys are warlocks. Then, so right? uh, you know? I, I will get to this one. Um, for the very simple fact that I, I, I guess I'm a Gyllenhaal completist. We're gonna be honest, yeah. And uh, do you do you know about his next project, which I believe is straight to, straight to streaming? Might be no it's idea. either Amazon. Oh yeah, yeah. I saw a clip. Or be, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you yeah, know that after, it's straight to streaming. No, yeah, no, I love it. I know. Yeah. I mean, kind of sucks, and they're upset about it, but it is it is wild. But yeah, no, because we'll, after we'll the uh, last week's um, Thursday night football, there was a little bit like, oh hey. Get ready for 2024. And I saw we're getting another season out of out of range. And them is going to do another season. Um, and then this popped up, but it was a little clip where he was standing outside the bar, was just like, all right, you know, I just, you know, you just boom, boom, throwing down with people. And I'm like, all right, I'm game. I'm ready for it. Pretty sure it's Doug Lyman directing it. Of course. Uh so yeah, we'll uh we'll keep you posted on that. Maybe we'll do a we'll do a retro retro remake special. When that one drops, oh, dude, ne we a... never talked about Roadhouse. I don't think we I don't know why we haven't. I don't think yeah. we've done any Swayze on uh on two by two ever. No, so, you know what, y'all, dude? You know what just popped up? Speaking of that, on um, uh, is either Paramount? I think it's Paramount Plus or uh, Peacock. I can't remember, but uh, fucking Cutter's Way. And I oh, watched yeah. the trailer for it. It's like, this is John Cutter. And I'm like, oh, God, dude, this trailer is not like <laughs> not this is one of those god awful like 70s, 80s yeah. trailers. It tells you it's four minutes long and it tells you. Oh, I remember everything except nothing about the trailer. Oh, oh I remember it because I remember dropping it into the episode and being like, we need we got to cut this down. 
Oh, yeah. yeah, I got this down. Okay. Uh, so yeah, number five for you, The Covenant by Mr. Yes. Guy, excuse me, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, Covenant yeah, to right, be specific. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, and that is available on Amazon Prime. Is that what we settled on? Yes. Yes. Okay. My number five might need to go on the table. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll not. It is a Netflix release from a famous filmmaker whose name, last name, starts with F. Does it need to go on the table? So it looks like we're gonna do a little. We're gonna do a little switcheroo because it's my number four. A switcheroo or synergy? No. This is your number five. This is my number five. Okay, we're just going to talk about it now. Is what we're saying. We'll talk about it. Then you can give me your number four. Okay, we can do that. I guess it's called synergy, but we can both talk about it. We teased it on our music episode. Yes, because I had the score for Mr. Trent Reznor and Mr. Atticus Ross. The film in question is David Fincher's The Killer. Uh which was made for Netflix and unceremoniously just kind of thrown up there and they let people know about it. And I think it had a decent run, but uh, I will never, ever forgive them because they took this uh, brilliant nihilistic existentialist, uh, you know, towards a force technical uh, masterwork from one of my favorite filmmakers, uh, they they took it, they gave him all the money in the world to make it, and then uh, they only released it in New York and L.A. for like a week, and it never came here, and somehow you can watch, well, I don't want to say it because maybe it's on your list, but there's another Netflix movie from this year that you can clearly tell like, oh, well, this one, we're putting our, we're putting our money behind this one. Because this one could get Oscars. So this one gets to go to theaters and gets to stay in them for weeks at a time. But we can't show you The Killer. Uh, well, yeah, The Killer stars Mr. Michael Fassbender. I haven't seen him in a while. Where you been, buddy? Been racing cars. Doesn't care about acting anymore. But, you know, this got him out of bed, apparently. Very loosely adapted from a French comic book of the same name. Uh, the Killer follows... Uh, the titular killer. Wait, he never gets a name, right? He's just the killer. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It follows him after a uh, a misadventure on his latest uh, assassination for hire. Uh, when things go awry, he uh, has to go on the run, and then as a result of his fuck up, uh, bad things happen to uh, somebody that he cares about. Even though he's a guy who claims to care about literally nothing. <laughs> Uh, and then he proceeds to spend the rest of the movie on a, uh, you know, a very, like, this is not what I love about this movie is that it's like, it's not this like adrenaline fueled revenge thriller, like at all. It's like a complete subversion of those types of movies. And it's like, it has, yes, the most bare bones of premises of plots. If you will, the story it's telling about this particular type of mentality 
um, this guy who tries to present to the outside world and tries to basically like lie to himself on a regular basis that he is this like detached above it all sort of dude who like you know denies empathy you know lives outside of any of the normal bounds of like human emotion etc meanwhile you're watching him like systematically avenge you know the the fact that somebody he loves was wronged basically and like the you know not being able to excuse me the unreliable narrator of it all oh yeah uh, again technical mastery on every level the sound design best of the year in my opinion it, it's one of those where i'm like I, I they'll probably completely ignore it at the oscars but it's like it should win every sound award uh just incredible the way it puts you inside his head uh again one of the most darkly funny scripts of the year is andrew kevin walker uh who of course wrote seven adapting I guess this is an element, obviously, of the graphic novel. I've not read any of it, but it just so much of it just feels like Fincher. Not it's not even like this is my worldview. It's like this is to your point. You know, we before the break we're talking about leave the world behind and like kind of knowing your guy, so to speak. But it's like this is what he knows or thinks people think about him essentially mm -hmm. suffused into this character and right. on that level this is one of the funniest movies of the year like i think it's absolutely hysterical um fastbender's just just crushing dude just one of those yeah. things where you're just like so glad to have him back and it's the again i feel like it's just it's the type of movie that is never gonna quite like be everybody's cup of tea so it's never really going to get the proper recognition but i'm like he he's on the arkies list for best actor oh yeah definitely he's on the nominees um i th i think one of my favorite performances of of his illustrious career uh, you know where i i always enjoy him uh yeah i have totally hogged the mic uh tell tell me what you like about it <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, I talked about it on the the cast. I love, I love the, the I love the Smiths of it all. It's like a greatest hits, and it, you're just like, would a nihilist like really? Of course, nihilists listen to the Smiths all the time. It's just, it's all about you know melancholy and nothing matters, you know. And I do again. I I think you hit it on the head with just like, yeah, this is who maybe most people who think they know david fincher like they're like probably watching this being like oh yeah well of course you would put that in this and this and that it's like maybe he's actively doing that to you to make you like you know understand that he he gets it he gets that you get what he's doing maybe yeah. i don't know i mean he's uh, yeah clearly the dude has a very dark view of humanity always has and is like that that has not changed at all and so it's like it's perfect to put a lot of that ethos essentially into your protagonist it's hard it's hard not to like people are obviously the people who are always concerned concerned with like oh well the the, the director is all, always reflected in their protagonist you know to some degree that want to read into that you know right 
he he's definitely toying with that. And again, with audiences expectations, I think somebody pointed out that like the use of the Smiths music, especially like when it's first introduced, I, I, I don't know who to credit for this. I'm totally stealing somebody else's thought, but um, that even the way that uh, how soon is now is used in that opening, like the sniper sequence where things go mm -hmm. to shit uh, that like he, you can almost feel him toying with you where it's like, he knows that like, that's what you that's what you think his movies or his sensibility is which is just like oh somebody's gonna get fucking killed how soon is now and it's gonna be like the most stylish sexy cool thing i've ever seen blah blah, blah. you know that mm -hmm. like people are going to be basically getting off on and he again in the sound design like denies you that and basically like rubs your nose in your expectations because like he const he cuts out from it being like uh diegetic like in the ear mm -hmm. of the killer versus like well now it's drowned out because we're like we're not focused on that you know he's play and he cuts out at like all the kind of crescendo points that you would expect and then like you know just so many just it's the venture of it all just the tiny little details it's the i'm gonna do 45 takes because i'm looking for like this you know tiny little magical thing that you just you know you might not get if you only do three. You might you think you got it. Even as yeah. controlled as so much of that is, that was what like blew my mind is you look at like some of the behind the scenes that are uh, available, I guess mostly on YouTube because there's no like real functionality for it on Netflix, but uh, there's been all these great making of docs. And I was like, like the whole scooter sequence, mm -hmm. it's all rear projection. Like hmm. there, that, that scooter was like never on a street. I don't think for like any part of that sequence yet you right. watch it and you're just like, how the hell did they shoot this? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you're just like, um, but he, I mean, it is the, the highest level of like what should just showing what you can do with digital filmmaking where it doesn't always have to be purple goo. And, and blue shit in the sky you know it doesn't always right. have to be in the service of a comic book movie you can you can use it to stitch together and literally make like a new kind of movie magic where it's like you don't question for a second that michael fassbender is on that scooter like racing through the streets of paris and yet, right you know you watch the behind the scenes and you're like oh they're in a fucking warehouse with like a couple screens around him like that's yeah. it it's just so well composited because he's got the best dudes doing it. Um, just an absolute blast for my money. I, again, one that I, I knew immediately when I was watching, it was like this, the, the way it ends, uh, the overall tone of it. There's a certain amount of people who are going to go into this expecting one thing, maybe not get what they were, you know, what they thought they bargained for. Right. Um, I knew inevitably there were going to be those kind of reactions. I also knew simultaneously this was one of those that was like, it's going to be hard for me to be objective about this, but like, uh, it's my favorite movie of his since Zodiac. And I love all of his movies. And Zodiac's like a stone cold masterpiece for me. Hmm. I, th I think this is a, uh, a stone cold masterpiece. I think it's, uh, eminently rewatchable. Uh, 
it's just it's one of those movies i or i've seen it twice already and i just it's one of those where it's like oh oh this sequence is coming up and the the some the structure of it too where you know you've literally got the different sequences like demarcated by like chapters it's just it's almost tailor-made for the rewatch on netflix for like oh i'm just gonna dip in check out this little section you know come back And then to dip it a little right back later out, yeah. and and again all of them have amazing aspects that i love about it uh, i mean we could go into all of the supporting performances we don't have to do that here but uh if we were going to throw anybody in uh personally i i gotta throw tilda on my supporting Yeah. she kills it in those in those like 10 minutes um also i mean charles parnell oh my gosh his assistant she would definitely she, Oh she might yeah. she might need a nomination actually maybe above tilda maybe along with her i don't know but uh the killer uh one of my i gotta say i feel incredibly strong about my entire top five which is part of why i uh feel like this is such an incredible year for movies in my book i got five stone cold classics new classics masterpieces for me personally and we're, we're talking about all of them going forward so uh this is my number four uh Mm hmm. I thought that it's would be going to your number four. going to my number four now yes Right. because to be clear the killer was your number four Right. It was okay your number five, my number four. that's correct now Right. i am pretty well convinced that my next one is gonna have to go on the table so i mean do you do you want me to say it Uh, I mean, we yeah, are because I don't we are very close to the top Yeah, but we I can mean, you're going to have to maybe talk about we can it. but, but I, I i don't want to stomp on it if it's your number one Well, I mean, if it is, we'll take blood. Okay. Okay. My number four favorite film, 2023, is Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. Table it. Okay. Okay. So um, Your now we're back. Look, number look, look back. three. I'm back with my number three. My number three, um, again, I don't know what it is, but this just always happens to me. When they're good, they're good. Um, my number three is Transformers Rise of the Beast, Noah. Dude, hell, hell yeah. Okay. I just, I mean, <laughs> listen. yes. <laughs> Yes. Why wouldn't No, it be? no. I honestly, I was like, where, where are the fucking Gavin picks, bro? I was like, this, I was like, dude, a thousand and one. I was like, okay. Is he is he I was allowed like, to like indie movies I was now? like, Is he growing up? I was like, look at this artsy motherfucker sneaking in here at the end of the year. Like, what the? I love it. I fully support this choice. I still have not watched it yet. On Paramount Plus, correct? Yes. You know what? Oddly, like I got to work tomorrow and it is like 1 a.m. So I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I'm watching it tonight. But I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking watch Rise of the Beast. This is your number three, brother? Yes. Fuck yes. Dude, I I went love and saw you it in so theaters much. on the last run, and like a week later, I get home, and it's like, hey, it's available on Paramount Plus, and I was like, well, damn, but I'm so glad I went Okay, to see it in theaters, don't because like, don't get lost in the lore, but explain to people like if they don't give a fuck about Transformers and they're like, I you really like 
why would I come back to this? They're still making these. Like, okay. tell people why they should be excited. Okay, so originally, a couple years ago, they decided to take it back to what Spielberg said was the magic of the first movie, which is it's about a boy in his car, except this time it was about a girl in her car. And it was old girl from... Um, uh, True Grit. True Grit. Like, Just rewatched True Grit like two yeah. nights ago, by the way. I think she does music now, too. I don't know what... She uh, does. She's also part of the Marvel Universe. That's right. She is in Hawkeye, yeah. Um, what is that character called? I have no idea what her character name is. It's is she just is, is she just Hawkeye now? Hayley Haley Seinfeld is the is the actress. Yeah, yeah. Um but they, Steinfeld. they did Steinfeld? Steinfeld. 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 Yeah. Yes. Sure. But they made they basically they did Bumblebee and it was like a standalone thing. And it tested so well and did so well box office wise that they said, Well, me, like Bumblebee's gonna be like a hard reboot. Like we're just we're done with what Bay did, we're moving along. And so the big thing was like, okay, well, now you're going to get Beast Wars. Like, you you know, like the characters from that. And I I think I've talked about it here. I, don't, I know I've talked about it with other people. But the Bumblebee movie and this, they just feel so much more like grounded into like what we're doing. I don't feel like the space they occupy with the way they've done the CG, like, Michael Bay's thing was like, hey, look what I can do. I got the best like aerial camera crew. I got the best people to tint the stuff afterwards so it looks orange and blue and orange and that. Like, look at this. Look at this mass. Like, I blew this up. I did this. I did that. Look at me. You know, and that's great for him. And I'm glad he did that. And I we love, love him for it. Yes. Exactly. But this is like, hey, you know what? We can do this in a Hollywood basement if we wanted to. And right. it can look just as good. So we don't have to maybe blow all the money on the overhead and we can stay under the line. So that this thing doesn't make money, it still made money. Word. And this technically, if you want to get technical, it is the lowest performing one at 320 some odd million dollars. You know? But it's probably one of the more profitable, maybe. I don't know. I mean, yeah, but the, that's but the whole relative thing is to like, its budget, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're on per capita towards the budget, it's it's great. But essentially, it's it's kind of like it is still continuing that story from Bumblebee, like. So, but if you go into it not knowing that, it's not a big deal. Like, you don't have to have seen it. it; just makes it better if you have. And so, I luckily watched Bumble, Bumblebee about a week before I went to go see this, so it all made sense. Um, and it's it's essentially it's kind of rebooting the whole Transformers Come to Earth franchise. Um, maybe I'll maybe I'll start from scratch and dude, watch both you, of them. Actually, yeah, dude, I Bumblebee's like it. It's like I heard it was very charming. Low key, it's not like a Paddington two, but it's up there with like a wow, dude. This this little standalone thing from this giant franchise shouldn't be this nice. It's just, but it's because it's it's not into the world stakes. And that's what I love about, like, I loved about it was like, this is just about like her, what's going on with her and her car and John Cena chasing them. And that's it, you know? And then we get to this one. It's like, okay, we've upped the stakes, but it's not like, we're not, we're not like throwing it all out there with like Megatron and like all this other crazy shit. We're not doing that first. We're still building to like, when you get, and that's the thing I think. Maybe people are realizing now when they're bringing up old IP is that like 10 years ago we were shooting for like, oh, if it's if it's G.I. Joe, we got to get Cobra in there, bro. 
Like we got to get Cobra. We got to show him, right? Or if it's Transformers, we got to get Megatron in there. It's like Megatron's great. Megatron's a big bad in, in, in Transformers. There's so many other villains in the Transformers as you could go to. So like the fact that you swing for the fences with Megatron in the first one, that's cute. But when you have to keep bringing him back in these other ones, it is diminished returns. As much as we love you, Mike, it's just what it is. But I get it. You're not writing a story. You're just making them. That's fine. But yeah. with this one, there is a lot of like, okay, the people who made this, they love Transformers. And there's it was maybe human... like finally what? it being out of the. I was saying maybe it's finally being out of the hands of one guy the whole time like just letting right. some fresh voices in there mm -hmm. and again i'm there's actual shocked. human stuff in there that matters yeah i'm shocked he stuck around for what five or six of those yeah five yeah. six one two three um age of extinction with marky mark and then the last night with marky mark so five yeah oh man bumblebee is technically the six overall this would, I would be the have taken overall i would have taken like three more ambulances over some of those movies i'm just saying i still haven't seen the last night it's a, it's the dark horse now it's yeah. the one michael bay i've never seen okay. you know and i i have well, it that, just that's it that's out. encouraging because i i don't have like a huge relationship to them beyond like playing with some of yours when we were kids i don't i don't remember watching the show very much but it's just like i i like freaking robots dude i like yeah you know i like mecca well, I like, and, and it's another like, thing it's, it's like, just cool to look at so and I and I and talked I'm into about Beast it. Wars. I could. I could oh yeah, you that. yeah. I remember you had Optimus Primal. Um, but like I, I talk about a lot. But like that first Transformers is just it's influential in me in my entire life. I spent um over like just stayed up over twenty four hours, and I spent all night just went to the movies, and I spent the rest of that night with two really good friends. One of them isn't with us anymore. And it's a memory that's etched in my mind because that first one, for all it was worth, like with what Michael Bay did, he got everything right that he needed to because my my buddy that was in the military was like, yeah, that is a Blackhawk. Yeah, we do do this. We do do that. And I'm like, yeah. okay, dude, I get it. Like he got it right. And he goes, no, you don't understand. He got it all the way right. Not just like it looks right. That's everything's right about that. So I can't, I can never not Michael Bay for that. Cause like as much as it may be like, you know, I remember Evan Tuig being like, what'd you think? It was like, you know, CGI piece of shit. And I was like, I loved it. And you, you backed me up and you're like, oh dude, I liked the first one. It was really good. And I appreciated that at the time when you, when you said that, but going to see this, it totally, it totally brought me back to that moment. And it totally got me on the edge of like, yeah, I'm, just, I'm watching this fucking popcorn movie. I don't, I don't care about how many takes they did it. What green screen, what basement they were in, what studio lot. I'm just having fucking fun at the movies, man. And I looked up, I was like, oh shit, we got to go. And like with what, where it left me, I was like, if they told me that it was going to take three more years for me to get this because now because of this actor strike in three years, I'll be here day one. Just see it because I'm just, I'm, it's just, it's just a thing that really makes me, brings me joy. It makes me happy. And instead That's of having to go go That's back and throw about, on about me yeah exactly instead of having to go throw on something i've seen a thousand times i got something fun and new we saw peter cullen doing the voice of everything you got pete davidson does the voice the girl in it i think might have been in swarm or something Dominic else fishback is it? Yeah, yeah 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 and yeah. the kid who the main lead kid that's the thing There's a lot of human stuff in this that like it isn't necessarily always about like 
oh, we've got to find the all spark and we've got to do that. It's just like, no, nah, man, like these human characters matter more than I think that like, oh, look, they actually have something to do in the action beyond just right, they, being yeah, you know, right. exactly. Okay. You know, well, all right. Transformers yeah. rise of the beasts. Yeah. Hell yeah. Number three. Mm -hmm. All right. My number three is uh, probably the biggest swing of uh, 2023, I would say, in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, I guess it's probably going to go down as a swing and a miss. It probably was all, always destined to. It was probably already destined for cult status like the weekend it opened. Uh, it's Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid. My I number tried. three. You tried. You tried. I, I I I put it on as soon as it as soon as I was available. I tried. And I just got I was so fucking sad, dude. I was like, why I'm not I can't watch how, this. How far did you get? Like he tried to go across the street and he Spoilers like, for Bo is afraid. Go ahead. He like was going across the street and like He because he needs he needs water for right. his for his medication because yeah. he's very anxious because yeah. Excuse me, he uh, is a very, very anxious man who is just simply trying to go visit his mother. Okay, right. that's and his his bag is stolen, his keys are missing, yeah. and he's he's anxious about calling her, and he tells her, and it's that moment of like, oh, I don't want to disappoint my mom, but I can tell she's disappointed, and she's like, I'm sure you'll do the right thing, and so Dude, in a moment, just... in a moment of, and hold on. In a moment of frustration and anxiety and just dread, he's like, I got to take my medication because I'm on a bunch of medications because I see this therapist, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, there's no, there's no water. Uh, I'm out of water in my house. Oh, faucet. I'll go to the faucet. Oh, the water's out in my building. Oh, ah, oh, I got to. Okay, shit. I have to take this with water. I bet I got, I got to go across the street. Oh, would you look at there? Just a giant pallet of gleaming new plastic water bottles being delivered. <laughs> Meanwhile, sheer fucking chaos outside. Somebody know, getting their dude. eyes gouged. Out. Yes, dude. Like it's so. I want. I. I will. I will finish. But I was just like, "What the fuck, man!" Like that, so that that made you sad, and you turned it off there. No, 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 no. The okay. calling his mom and his mom just like the vocal drop. Whoever the actress is playing his mom, I don't know if she's if you see her, if she's just a voice. Patty Lapone. Just like ah oh, God, dude, that cut like because then I'm like I get that it's supposed to be like this guy is scared, he has anxiety, and like maybe all the shit we see isn't real. Or maybe it is real. We don't know. But it's real to him, and that's all that matters. So who cares? But like, when I see that, and then I like that little bit where like her voice just dropped about him not being on the plane or wherever he had, whatever he had to do to get there, I just got immensely sad because I'm like, there, like I know people who like can't get out of bed in the morning, and I want to tell them, okay, and, but like I don't need to talk to them like that because I don't know whatever happened to them that made it so hard for them to get out of bed in the morning. Well, I feel you, like you also, you've just spent the last like 20 minutes with the guy. You saw his night before you yeah. saw how he got no sleep and yeah. you literally were like, he went back to get his floss and s someone or something 
stole his bags and his keys. Like, he's not lying to you. But of course, you're sitting there going like, but of course, the mother's heard this it, 10 of times course already. it sounds insane. Of course, it sounds like a bullshit excuse. And you're yeah. like, but it's true. But it's fucking true. Mm -hmm. and, okay. If you couldn't handle that, <laughs> you're going to have such a tough time. But please, please finish this movie. It. Oh, it I'm, is, I'm going to. I, I've seen it three times. It might be my favorite Ari Aster film. I think he does nothing but make just like absolute bangers. <laughs> um, some of the biggest laughs. Are the, I mean, this is the, yeah, on my list, this is the funniest movie of the year. But you gotta, well, sure. yeah, but you gotta know how to laugh at it. And I say that while also acknowledging this has some of the most like deeply upsetting and uncomfortable, like cutting to the bone stuff in it too, where I'm just like, this touches taboos and insecurities that I didn't know I had inside my own self mm -hmm. in such deep and profound ways that I, I do, I, yeah, I don't know if I should be watching this. I don't feel comfortable engaging with it. And it manages to have you have all of those feelings, or at least have me have all of those feelings while I'm also like literally dying of laughter, like on a pretty regular basis. Uh, it's emotionally devastating in so many different ways. Uh, it's a total odyssey a true a true odyssey of a movie a lot of movies like purport to like we're going for a grand epic scale and like you know blah blah, blah. he actually fucking did it and the fact just the simple fact that a24 let him make this where it's like he made good on hereditary he he managed to make midsomar a financial success it's like he's a name guy he's got the most famous actor in the world one of them at least just just off fresh off of a best actor win like let let's just let him do it and knowing from his short film work and seeing what he's done so far in movies just knowing what he could and would do when the gloves were off essentially when you know he had the Kate Blanchett with the budget mm-hmm he did not disappoint at all. Not one iota. It is a hundred percent him. And I just, I'm so happy that he exists and he makes movies because there's just so few people, like I said, that are what, I mean, I feel like the thing is right. Like we all have these thoughts, even if they're like passing thoughts, some of this shit. It's like, and he's one of the few guys who it's like, I will take the most like upsetting thought that might float through my brain on a given day. And that'll be like the starting point <laughs> for one of my characters. Yeah. And it's just, again, I, anybody who I thought you were going to tell me you were like legitimately like, I can't watch this. I'm turned off by it. I just, I don't like the vibe, whatever. And I, I would not begrudge you at all. It is a hundred percent one of those movies where I'm like, if if somebody if if it's not your cup of tea, I'm not gonna sit there and tell you you're wrong for not getting it or you're dumb for or you're dumb for not getting it or liking it. It's just 
it's not the case. But for me and the kind for me and the kind of shit that I enjoy, um, this was just uh yeah. An abs absolute banger. Uh a new favorite uh movie I will be watching over and over again. Uh Bo is afraid. Total total triumph. Joaquin definitely in the uh the best actor Arky's race. Uh and yeah, this movie's never gonna get its due this award season, but it is now available on it's on Prime, is that correct? I think so, yeah. Yes. Uh so yeah, if you have not seen it, I, I could not recommend it more highly. But yes, no going in. A, it is long and it is an emotional fucking roller coaster. Please finish it. Uh, we can do a oh, whole no, I'm, other yeah, episode <laughs> next year. Yeah, I don't I give a shit, even though it came out like not eight months ago or something. Um, one of my absolute most anticipated this year and talk about like exceeding all expectations. Uh, yeah. Loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. That's my number three. Bo was afraid. Okay. Um, I, I'll definitely finish it. Um, my number two, uh, I had you table. Is Killers of the Flower Moon, which was my number four. Yes, you. I believe this is the most recent addition to your list, possibly Literally last night. Okay, this morning. Then well, last I'll night. I'll let you take the lead on this. By all means, um, it. <laughs> you've never seen an episode of Yellowstone, have you? Like never before. I don't think you've ever watched an episode, right? Uh no. Okay, so there's a moment in pretty much every Yellowstone episode where I say out loud, regardless if if like anybody's watching it with me, I say, "We get it, Taylor. We fucked over the Indians. I'm sorry." <laughs> it just like I, even in in every episode, I'm like, "Okay, Taylor, I get it." This movie is is three hours of that. Like uh, three hours and 20, 20 minutes, I believe 20 and a half minutes of that. And it's one of those things that like, and I don't, I, if we're going to go, we can go spoilers or not. I can keep it. I don't care. It's one of those things that like, it's another thing that I came to like knowing more than I feel like the average person. Like I talked about a couple years ago, how, I knew I had heard all this stuff about like the Tulsa riots and then, or the Tulsa massacre. And then bam, in two different separate medias that very year later on at the end, those are focal points. Mm -hmm. The Tulsa massacre is a focal point. And I feel like this was either further removed because like I had heard all this, but the way that it was, I was telling Bex about this, the way that it was told to me through the episodes, the episode that I listened about this whole thing it was framed and whoever wrote it wrote it as like, oh yeah, all these bad things kept happening to these, these Indians and they, they don't, the, the storyteller didn't, they didn't necessarily, they're like, oh yeah, they had a bunch of oil money, mm -hmm. but they didn't necessarily tell me how much oil money they had. So I'm just listening. It's like, okay, like I, I felt like this was a very isolated thing, right? I, right. I look at this as like, well, yeah, like it happened to this one girl and like, yeah, her, her whole family was like kind of taken out, but like, it wasn't an inside job. Like it couldn't have not been, it could have been this like cabal of people that were like conspiring to do this to her family. 
And now that you're like, well, no, it wasn't a cabal of people conspiring to do it against her family. They were conspiring to do it against everyone they could, you know? And it's like, it's one of these things where like, you wonder why this story has not been told. It has been, I'm sure there's been, I'm sure more people know about it than I'm thinking, but I'm having, I'm, I'm having a hard time believing that the general movie going public knew anything about this specific story before they went and saw this movie, if they went and saw this movie. So it essentially is about a period of time post-World War I, pre-Depression, where oil is discovered on the Osage Indian Reservation, and the uh, powers that be and all of their great American glory decided that well, I guess since all these brown Indian people are going to be, you know, the richest people on the planet, you know, in terms of money in the United States, they're going to be the richest people on the planet. We ought to, one, do everything we can to not give them this money, yes. make it hard as hell for them to get it. And then, you know, possibly the effects of what that has, them getting this money, has on them as a people moving forward. To be as vague as possible. Again, if we're going to go spoilers, I, I mean, can, again, but... it's like spoilers for history and spoilers for a, a very famous novel. And I, but I feel like honestly, now if it just went live on Apple, I feel like now people are just now getting. No, no, it it was live a week afterwards. I bought it. I had to buy it. You could buy or rent it. I was like, I'll just buy it. It's not free to watch on Apple. No, no, no. But it was still an extended. There, like from when it premiered in theaters, is what I'm saying. It was well, it not on. I mean, it was not on Apple for a very long time, longer than right. the forty-five day window. I think it like just the, recently became available. On, December first, yeah. No, the eighth. Okay. okay. Yeah. I did not know it had been up that long. I would have rewatched it again already. I did catch it twice in theaters because. Yeah. Um, I read I read the book prior David Grant's Killers of the Flower Moon, and so I came in with definitely on first viewing a certain amount of expectations where I was like, okay, well I have my ideas about like the things I want to see represented or the things I think are like essential here, things I want to see. Mm -hmm. And I basically came out pretty knocked out by the movie, but with a few, like a few things that I think were like unavoidable where I was just like, Oh, well I, I did read the book and you know, I, I, I did have a little bit of that mentality and then the more i the more i sat with it and then also i went back for a second viewing uh with mr brendan riley because he hadn't caught it yet and i really just tried to engage with it as like okay you know the story as it was presented in the book and the story the scope of what's presented in that book you could tell several different stories out of you could also do a giant like mini series approach that tries to cover all aspects of this. Mm -hmm. But rewatching it that second time and zeroing in on like, this is the story that Scorsese is trying to tell within like, this is the themes, the story he's pulling out of this. And basically in that second viewing, I was like, and it's all there, or at least for me it was. I was like, all the things that I was like, oh, I don't know if they touched on this enough, or like, was this, you know, was this given enough, enough daylight? Was this too vague? Was this that? Blah, blah, blah. Um, 
all of that completely went out the window and i was like nope this is like full-on new american masterpiece one of the 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 fact that he keeps like knocking shit like this out at you know in his 80s is just astounding to me um i again i saw it twice in theaters and it's just uh it's just a I don't know. The words almost like elude me, man. It what a tough sit, but mm -hmm. how the movie manages to make that, you know, some of the most upsetting and depressing material you'll ever come across in a in a true story, uh, and still have you like kind of viscerally compelled and entertained by just the sheer filmmaking of it all the and again the decision without spoiling too much but again i think in the in the trailers you and i talked a little bit about this going in but they really right up you know the final trailer before the movie i was like oh oh okay they they're really they're giving away a lot and then to sit down and watch the movie and i was like oh Oh, that's the whole approach. That's the whole approach. Just like from the get go, we know who the bad guys are. Mm -hmm. And that almost being like, oh, he he pulled all the mystery out of it. That's uh that's interesting. So why why'd he do that? That's that that's oh, this is this is kind of upsetting because now I gotta now I I can't even sit with the ambiguity of like Oh, maybe maybe something's going on here or whatever. It's like I got to confront this way earlier, right? So, and that's what I'm saying. And, like the 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 story that I was told via like the podcast about it, it plays it plays it like that. We don't know what's going on here, and then it slowly peels back the onion. It's like, well, maybe maybe it was actually her husband the whole time, you know. I don't think there's any. And again, it's been forever since I listened the to way, whatever show, yeah. But it's they don't go into any more backstory. So like I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, Oh, the Osage murders. That's like an isolated thing where this woman's family got killed. It is what it is. It's sad. Not knowing the scope of like, Oh no, this is actually a huge thing that no one talks about. Like, I know they still get money today, but I was looking at what, like just a, a, a head right was in 1921. Do you know what a head, one head right was apparently, you had a own one head right to uh, what your annual payout was for that, just one mm. fucking 22,000 American dollars. Yeah. Wow. Over four years, over a year, basically. And that's if you just had like one head right. Mm -hmm. So, like, if you had like a bunch in one family, that 4,000 a quarter, maybe that's like, I don't know, 100,000 a quarter, depending on how much you owned. What where where the oil was coming from, and it's just one of these things where it's like, in hindsight, if we're if we're talking about this in twenty twenty three twenty four, yeah, how did you not expect that that was going to happen? Right, you give the, you give the people that you pushed off, the people that used to be here that you've pushed off and pushed off and pushed off, the last place you push well, them to, you don't think to check for oil there. They find it there, and all of a sudden you're like, oh shit. How do we get that money back without looking like, quote unquote, I, this is a terrible joke, an Indian giver, you mm -hmm. know, like, I'm not trying to be funny, but like, how do we do that? Well, 
I can't really do that because then we're really going to look like shit. Like, never mind all the other terrible shit we've done. But if we actually tell them, get, go to this land, get off your own land. Wait, wait, you got to get off the, oh, we can't make yeah. them get off this land too. It's just, that's a bridge too far, guys. What are we going to do? You know, it's like, okay. But then it's like, uh, this is obviously what's going to happen. Like, it may be shocking to like, think like, oh my God, I can't believe people did this to each other in the 20s and 30s before the depression. Okay. But it's like, I don't know if it's trying to speak to some innate American or human nature of like, just we'll do this, whatever we'll do we'll, as an American, you're just going to take and do whatever you can until you can well, use up everything around you. I don't know what we're trying to say here. I think it's, I mean, it's a huge threat through like all of his filmography, but just like just morality in general and mm -hmm. what people will sacrifice for, you know? So, to that point, though, whether you know some of the behind the scenes and the like other stuff surrounding the project or not, I think is kind of irrelevant. But I will say to you, originally, DiCaprio was going to play Tom White and the whole structure of this was going to be, you know, founding the FBI comes in. They're trying to figure out this case, uncover this vast conspiracy, you know comes in he's the hero right and like mm -hmm. Ernest is kind of a footnote Molly's kind of a footnote somewhere in the midst of this I guess that, that they kind of credit DiCaprio as the one who speaks up and it's kind of like I feel like we're missing something here they basically kind of go back to the drawing board and it's like wait maybe it's it's the marriage like what if we what if we focus in on this and then that flip happens and that I think it that like everything is right there in that decision because now you don't have anything to distance yourself. Like if, if he comes in as Tom White, like, and Jesse Plemons does in fact play Tom White comes in late in the game and is incredible in this movie. But if you're telling it from that character's perspective, it's very easy to be like, Oh, look at these, look at these bad guys over here can't believe how terribly they were treating these people or whatever but making you sit with the idiot the true like the complete dumbass you know at the center of yeah. it who's being manipulated into all of this but like nevertheless is still taking part in it like making you sit with that person you can't you can't help but be implicated you can't help but sit there and be like I, why are they doing this? Like, how could, how could they let this happen? Why, why won't anybody help these people? <laughs> You're, you start to eventually get it over the course of three hours and 26 minutes. It's like, oh, we, I, we, we do this every day. Like we all do. We literally, we know that there's like terrible shit happening, whether it be to indigenous people, black people, like it doesn't matter. Like how, however you want to extrapolate that out, we, we all like see shit happening constantly and we just kind of, you know, just turn, turn a little blind eye to it. And I think you cast like the most famous movie star in the world and you make him play like a fucking rube who's just like, you know, maybe has a good heart, but like a, doesn't have a soul. <laughs> like, no, no, um, no. you know, 
Um, and the fact that those things can go, and I know there's a, you know, there's a lot of indigenous people who have spoken out and like had a real issue with like the way he approaches this and the fact that you would even make that the protagonist as if, you know, as if that's some sort of an endorsement or it's trying to make you empathize with, with that person at all. And I just, I think that's such a, still to me just such a weird reading it's not how it came up but again i don't begrudge any person their their feelings on everything that this movie has to stir up but i think fundamentally the movie almost acknowledges that it's like it's not pitched at a native audience like indigenous people are well aware of the tragedy of the osage fucking genocide like they're they're well aware of it mm -hmm. um this is a movie for all the people who don't know about it and have not paid attention to it and need to reckon with, well, why haven't we talked about it? Why is this the type of story that gets buried? And that, without, I will say, this is spoilers to me because, again, it's history, but this is the one thing that kind of like is a choice, if you will, and is definitely like something I wouldn't want spoiled for me. It was truly like a, in the theater, like a true knock, knocked me on my ass when I kind of sat with it for a minute moment. But the actual ending, I want to ask you how you felt about it. The, you know, we have the courtroom wrap up. We have the moment between the two of them afterwards where she asked him whether he knew about the poison being very vague here. And then we cut away from that and we get, our epilogue but it's not delivered in your typical here's your chirons on the screen at the end of the movie it's presented in a very different way what did you think about that i one i think it um i think it lends itself overall to like scorsese's message of um you know I can talk shit about comic book movies because I read real books. I was that nerd kid who had to read real books and not, I didn't get to read comic books as a kid. And my, my parents made me read real books so I could make whatever movies I want to make. Um, just kidding. No, I think <laughs> it's a testament to the fact that in, uh, in 19, those were done. Like when the trials happened in, what is it, 23? And then like 30, it was done in 23 and then it was done in 35 that like, We've told this story on the radio when radio was the only thing that we had to tell this story. We told it here first, you know, and again, it is neat to see like how they actually made all that happen, but it's, it shows and it's odd. It's this weird thing because like, um, it's like a weird zeitgeisty thing that like, he's kind of hitting on this thing of like, Oh, you think to me with this ending, Oh, you think like true crime podcasts are cool? Uh, have you heard true crime radio shows from the 20s and the 30s? They got nothing on these punks with their iPods and their um, I, or, uh, iMacs and everything today. They had to do it all by hand. You know, something fancy sound effect. Board? No, somebody had to make that in the studio right there. It's just this weird like flex on people being like, yeah, you know, this fun stuff with the, the true crime you love now, the story you might have heard before on a podcast. Guess what? They did it on the radio live when it happened and about 10 years later. And guess what? Nobody, none of you watching this shit have ever heard of it. 
none of you have what I know about it because I read real books when I was a kid. Oh, okay. My parents made me. Okay, so that so that's what you took from the ending. And the, and I appreciate it being that way. And I appreciate him coming out and telling me to my face that like this is what happened to her. This is what happened to these people. And like no real justice was done because they let him out. And the shittiest thing of all is that that guy did not die until 1986. Okay. He made it all the way to 1986. That's the shittiest part about the entire story. I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. And this is, again, just my take. <laughs> but <laughs> I thought what we were meant to take away from that was a, quite a few things. But A, that's like, it's it's an FBI-sponsored broadcast. Right, yeah, yeah. Which I think is very interesting given that they get it they get into more of this in the the book itself but there's there's a whole moment where it's kind of like okay well they got they got their guy and we kind of wrap this up but like but what about all those others like all those other murders we heard about and it's like the FBI like kind of pats themselves on the back as like this great early success and we solved the Osage murders and it's like yeah but there was no follow-up on all this other stuff. Like the author, David Grant is going back present day now investigating some of these that were like never touched. And just like, it was like, Oh, clearly yes, this happened to this person too, but we don't know who exactly. And like, obviously it was this expanded conspiracy because at the end of the day, the answer was like, who was in on it? Literally everybody, like all of the rich white people in this area, they're all doing it. They're all in that the rich room. and the poor like, white people. Yes, exactly. Yes. And the poor whites are doing the bidding of the rich whites basically. Right. So, um, but I thought that was very yeah. purposeful. The whole like FBI show of it all when it, when you sit and think about like, but yeah, this is interesting that, and also, you know, we also know that the FBI goes on to do things like, I don't know, like murder Fred Hampton. And you can watch a whole movie about Go that too. <laughs> like, yeah. And let's, let's not, let's, let's make it clear right here. And now when Plemons shows up, there is no, Oh, the federal government's here. You know, this, I know this, the federal government came because they offered them $20,000. Yes. Because that they went money. basically paid them to come there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They went and paid Hoover. Didn't want to do this at all. Yeah. And he got marred down in it, and it basically had to do something. So, of course, the first time they arrest someone, they're like, "Hey, look, we did a great job. We're out." But I, you know, anyways, I thought it was very purposeful that like every everybody performing in that show, including Jack White, of course, yes, um, are they're all they're all white people, obviously. Mm -hmm. The audience is all white. Yep, retelling this, and you know. This indigenous very sanitized version of this indigenous story. And then you literally have Martin Scorsese like come out and basically announce to the to the crowd without saying it, but it's basically like it's an to me, I took it as an acknowledgement of like many people might have said from the outset, this was not my story to tell, essentially, but I have told it in the only way that I know how and that's what I've presented to you essentially is like, I'm aware that I am an outsider trying to present this history, this culture, these events, these tragic events to you, the audience. And I realize that there's a limit to how much I can, you know, truly 
live in this experience, quote unquote. But the story I could tell within it was about this marriage and the dynamics of that. And they echo and explore everything about what we want to get into. Um, there's so many sequences and individual things I could talk about in this movie. We could do a whole pod on it. I want to say like, for me, maybe the definitely up there, we're talking like top three DiCaprio performances. I thought such just such a different mode, um, really bold choice. Uh, Lily Gladstone, uh, I, I really hope she takes Best Actress at the Oscars. I thought she was absolutely incredible. Uh, De Niro, as menacing as ever. There's so many great little supporting people well, you know what's really bad, throughout though? here. Like, I feel like in this, sometimes when he's yelling at DiCaprio or talking to him, he was just like this close from being like fucking what, Rocky Bullwinkle. Oh, I thought you were going to say Cape Fear. There's a little bit. They're he little dips bit yeah, into a, a little Fear, yeah. bit of, feel, uh, yeah. especially in the uh, the Masonic Lodge sequence. Yeah. Or the Freemasons. Yeah. 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 Oh, man. So, again, we, it we've also already, did. The, we've there, already gone like, long on it. But. Dude, there's like, there's two. There's also, there's some, every time, this is just me, and just me personally, every time that they're doing something on screen together, I am looking at like, all right, I'm going to show Marty how good I am. No, no, no. I'm going to show Marty how good I am in this scene. Because like there's the scene where they're they're talking to each other by cars or something. And they're both just like kind of. Oh, yeah. It's like the, trying to rough up against each other. I need you to sign over everything to me. And you're like, oh, this is the scene. Like, oh, this is the scene where no, you're no, telling no. me. Oh, it's, it's it, that Sorry. one, too. But like there's one where they are like. They're in between two cars. It's at night, I feel like. Or something where he has to go to him and tell him, I need to talk to you. And they're like, he's like trying to like roughly get get up, get up in and mess with him a little bit. And mm -hmm. I'm just like, look at both of these dudes trying to be like, look at me, Marty. Look who's better in this scene, Marty. Huh? Uncle Marty or, or Bob. Uh, uh, I'm your boy, Bob. I'm doing great here. Or like, ah, oh, it's me, Leo. I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm doing the work. It's you and me. You know, I know he was a great, he was great with you in your past. Goodfellas is one of my favorite films, but it's you and me, Marty. It's you and me. You know, I just, feel, it's just I love, I'm looking at that and they're giving amazing performances, but I'm looking at that as like, <laughs> This is like your ex-girlfriend shows up with a new boyfriend and then you all got three got to do something fun together and you don't know how to act. Like that's just, that's what's in my mind with them. Right. Okay. And I'm watching this knowing that like, here's two living fucking legends, you know, and they're like, they're giving each other back and forth in these scenes. And it's just like, I, I can understand where someone may be like, I don't think it's his story to tell. He has this issue, but it's like no. I'm just I'm just it's, saying it's all that's, like no. That's I can something see that. I think he so was. I agree. I think yeah, he, the yeah. movie is actively conscious of and is almost drawing your attention to say that like there are many stories that could be told about this. This was the this was my way in. I'm Martin Scorsese. This is like the slow motion tragedy about like flawed masculinity is like i mean it's literally like you know it's in the majority of things that he has made right uh so i yeah just a 
a fucking knockout dude not a mm -hmm. not a fun watch but again the fact that i am still like i i i could rewatch this over and over again speaks to the filmmaking we haven't really called out sequences as we've gone but i do just want to say the owl the funeral mm -hmm. for molly's mother mm -hmm. um and the burning of the field for insurance money those sequences is, is are you is that ringing a bell yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what you remember when they burned the field and it's intercut with uh DiCaprio trying a little bit of the uh the medicine which I'm assuming was like strict not strict whatever probably but some sort of yeah anyways that sequence uh yeah those are three like knockouts for the year for me and especially on a big screen just incredible shit uh loved it not a fun movie but an important one and i i think i think at this point it's like it's that or oppenheimer for for best picture is what it seems like yeah i could see that uh i think that's what's duking it out and yeah we'll see how it goes uh my number two yep okay and we it is getting late so we won't go as long on this one because i don't think yeah. you've watched it yet uh my number two favorite film of 2023 is from a first-time filmmaker and she made a stone cold masterpiece out of the gate her name is celine song and the movie is called past lives nothing nothing no. like i'm getting a big head shake from gavin no uh past lives stars greta lee who some people may recognize from Russian Doll, uh, episodes of High Maintenance. She was uh, a voice in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. She's been around for a while. You would recognize her. Uh, but it co-stars her and T.O.U. and uh, John Magaro. It is about a uh, two young Korean kids who meet and don't necessarily fall in love, but you know they have a moment as kids together they uh they grow up they have like a burgeoning friendship and then uh one moves away to the states and the other i know what you're talking about yeah okay i've, well, I've seen trailers for, for this excuse me for our listeners uh they basically reconnect over period of decades essentially uh initially over zoom uh while they're each in college and then a little bit further down the road and uh the trailer gives all of this away but it kind of builds to uh him uh visiting for the first time and she is in a relationship and with john mccarrow the aforementioned john mccarrow one of my favorite working actors and it is just the most exquisite like romantic uh drama i've seen in a long time uh absolutely incredible performances and that the thing that puts it over the top is the filmmaking the way the form and content just like perfectly mesh together it's a movie about you know time about missed opportunities different paths you could have taken all that sort of stuff and the way that is reflected in the filmmaking is just like 
note perfect. It's the it's the kind of stuff that like you could teach in a film class, and like some people, you know, a shitty person would be like, "This is pretentious," and another person would be like, "No, this is like the ideal." of what you should be striving for where it's just like every single shot in my movie every scene is working towards the same thing that i'm trying to get at and um it's just kind of just a quietly moving uh drama that builds to what i think is pound for pound the best ending i've seen in a very very long time it is not only a masterful technical achievement in terms of the actual like shot composition and just how they actually filmed it. It's kind of breathtaking, but what is contained within that final shot, that final moment, uh, just absolutely. Ugh, to one of those where I was just like, I felt it in my soul. Um, and the only other movie I felt like that about uh, is the one that's in my number one slot. So I'm going to let you talk about your number two so that... Uh, oh, that was my number two. Excuse me. Flower Moon was your number two. So that was this my... This going to be my number we one. Flip, we flip-flopped. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm so curious. I don't... My number one. I want to know I, it. Of course I do. It's Meet Mayhem. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Meet Mayhem. I, I would make more noise, but it's like two o'clock in the morning. But like, yeah, hell yeah, yeah. get up. Mm. <laughs> Six I'm, in the morning, probably set my. Dog. I'm I'm freaking like, out over here. Dude, uh, I've seen it like four times. I've just I've just it since it's become available streaming. I've just watched it. It's just so fucking good. I don't. It's like I'm I'm I'll go catch across the Spider Verse, but like, if there's one thing I love more than Transformers. It's Ninja Turtles, <laughs> you know. It's like you're gonna give me that, and I'm gonna get. I might get a TV series of that soon, like in that animation style. You're kidding me. I mean, we talked about it when it came out the decision to have, you know, kids be turtle like the turtles. You know, the adults who are doing the voices and like the old actors who are doing it. They know what they're doing. They came to play. It's not anything crazy. Jackie Chan is as Splinter. It's a no brainer. I mean, you know, I just I. No offense to Tony Shaloub from the, the like ten years ago, but like, yeah, it's Jackie Chan, obviously. Um, I love that they they don't. What we talked about it, they don't they don't they give you a ton and they don't give you anything at all. You still got Krang, you still got the Technodrome, oh, you still we got have the Shredder, so, all so that much dude. stuff. Fucking Casey around. Jones, dude, you still have Casey Jones. I'm so curious who they're gonna get to voice Casey Jones. I'm oh, so dude, curious. I, it doesn't matter who who it is. I don't care. The, the voice cameos for like Ray Filet and then just, you know, Bebop and Rocksteady. The idea that Bebop and Rocksteady were already mutants, even though like we know they weren't, they were turned into mutants by the Shredder and the TV yeah. show, but it doesn't matter. Like it's just, it's a fucking good time, dude. Like an absolute it, blast. We yeah. are living in a time where guys like there are guys like us who grew up loving the same shit that we did and they are in the positions to make these things the way that we would want them made and it's happened more and more in the past five or six years which just means to tell me that either it it, it 
keep your head down and keep working hard. You'll get wherever you want to go. And then eventually you can do the little thing you want to do. You can move to Hollywood wanting to direct movies, but you wind up on SNL and then you make Barry. You can, you could do anything, you know? And like, I just, this one overall, it's different because it's like, I'm always going to want another live action, put them in the Jim Henson workshop suits and get it. I'm never going to have that again. I understand that there's a soft spot and I always want one of those. But if the thing I can get is this, that's the next best thing I can get. I'll take that for the rest of my life, dude. And, like, and let's be, matter. let's be real, dude. It, 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 for me personally, took the turtles to a place that it's, it's never quite gotten to because the heart, dude, they managed yes. to deliver multiple times in this movie, like yes. genuinely, like what I felt were like deeply felt scenes. And I was just like, and they're not, they're not cynical and they don't feel like they're, they're saccharine at all. They don't feel like there's some like, you know, nostalgia poke that's just like, oh, see, I got you. I got you there. It's just on its own terms. It made me care about these new versions of these characters. It made me want to see them succeed. It made me understand their like their whole struggle. And it like it honestly, it deepened where I was like, I don't like I don't even know that like any of the other prior incarnations no. have ever gotten to this like this level of depth of like, I really give a shit about these fucking little teenage mutant ninja turtles, dude. Like, holy shit. Dude, and you got like there's a, again, there's a point some in of this the movie. best voice performances of the year. So the, the a spoiler, I don't care if anybody had seen it. There's a point in this movie where uh uh God, what is what is his name? I what is Ice Cube's character's name? Superfly. Uh, Superfly. I'm thinking I don't know why I'm saying fly lounge fly. I don't know or lounge anyway. Um Barfly. Barfly, yeah. So I don't know. But it's there's a point where they're fighting him and he's like, hey, come on, rat man. You know I'm right. You don't like the humans either. I'm like, bro, Splinter could have been just the same as him. Like you have your villain that you want to stop. And it's like, yo, your dad well, shares thing, that mentality. Absolutely. But he's, the thing that but, that's but he's, what snaps him out of it is so yeah, great. It, it's beautiful, dude. Like you would never do that. Like 20 years ago, that's not even on anybody's mind. Right. But to have that complexity and to put like heart and soul in it, because like this is the same rat that you're like, you know, it, you, you see all that and you're like, oh, my God, emotional point. But then there's like that whatever that crazy bug cockroach thing is that he's like, oh, I speak her language. He's all happy about like and then the payoff of the milk machine, dude. Like, what is that? Another, like they're going to milk you like they just the humans, they want to milk you. It's like, dude. Like it is, it just hits on every level because you, and you could totally, you could totally be like, yeah, I told you all that about the humans, but I didn't necessarily tell you how I got there. You see, I used to be. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm to very, this dude. I'm it's very so curious good, to see how they, how they've been. The, I, I, I did see, of course, you're always going to have some idiots online who are just like, it's not like the regular turtles. I'm like, they have like changed it up. Pretty much every time they do new turtles, they they mm -hmm. fuck with it a little bit, and I'm like, let it be new and let it be great because it is like it's so awesome. I can't wait to see the sequel. I cannot wait to see the TV series. I'm 
fully on board with what they're doing with it because they're doing it right. They made me care about these characters again, and I, I could not have been more delighted. Uh, it's my number 13. It's, you know, it it's up there. Uh, but I, I do have to now tell you about what I what I personally believe to be the best uh, animated film of the year. It's that new one, isn't it? It's the one everybody's been talking about. Uh, it's uh, the latest, mm -hmm. possibly final, yeah, hopefully no, not last. I don't think so. Film from the master, the one, the only Hayao Miyazaki. The film is called "How Do You Live," and over here they call it "The Boy in the Heron." Uh and I don't know what you say about something that <laughs> you've anticipated for. I guess, like, I guess proper maybe around like six, seven years. This is not quite a tar scenario where I waited, you know, 16 years or something for it. But um, I was, I, I had so much curiosity about what this film would even be. I think I may have touched on one of our prior pods, but when it was released in Japan, there was no, uh, no trailer. Uh, there was only a single poster, but there they didn't announce who the voice cast was going to be. Pretty much nothing except for a handful of still images, and it was just like he's the most famous director in the history of Japan, arguably at this point, the most financially successful for sure. It probably goes like Kurosawa Miyazaki, like in that order, and so they were just like. Well, what's the point? We're just going to release it. And of course, it was a massive hit over there, but even after that, still didn't know much about it. The Boy and the Heron, like a lot of Miyazaki movies, uh, is about a young protagonist uh, dealing with, uh, you know, coming of age. In this particular case, the protagonist uh, is a little boy named Mojito, and his mother has uh, been tragically killed in a uh, firebombing of her hospital. This is during World War II. And so subsequently, uh, he and his father move out of Tokyo to a more rural area of Japan. And uh, the, or his father rather, decides to remarry his aunt, his dead mother's sister. Uh, so moves into a new place, uh, new mom essentially, who's his aunt, who he's never really met. Uh, and He's dealing with that, finds out he has a new uh, baby brother or sister on the way. So it's uh, also just a lot of changes, a lot of stuff going on. And uh, around this same time, he starts seeing a, uh, a blue heron flying around the property. Uh, shortly thereafter, this heron starts to tempt him and says basically like, I know where your mother is. I can take you to your mother. And boy's pretty smart. He's like, I think you're kind of bullshit but like i do kind of want to see what's going on here so um inevitably he is led into a uh, a fantasy world if you will a, a parallel world where uh he goes on an adventure to see if he can in fact find his mother and whether he can trust this new this new friend the heron and uh i i can't even begin to spoil where the movie goes what happens in it it would serve no purpose to because like a lot of miyazaki movies it's not about the plot. It's about the story. It's about the feeling. It's about the emotions. And so much of what I love about this movie uh, 
they are the kind of things that I would struggle to find words for. Sometimes you just, something just hits you and you can't even quite articulate what it means to you. This is one of those movies. Uh, there is a, uh, a famous critic and his name escapes me at the moment, but he has described Miyazaki's moment, uh, movies as uh, encounters with the sublime. Uh, so sometimes it's hard to talk about them because that's literally what they are. They're like, they're a universe unto themselves. They're movies unlike anybody else's. This, if it is in fact the final statement, is a, for me a banger to go out on. It is so much a, a summation of, it seems to have elements of all of his prior filmography kind of rolled into one. At the same time, it doesn't feel like a greatest hits album. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is just a bunch of kind of recycled elements that you've seen me hit on and like, you know, I'm playing the hits and like, you're going to like it. It's going to be satisfying on that level. Um, it's not that at all. It's uh, a complete new, wonderful world to explore. Tons of amazing characters. I've seen it twice. Uh, I saw it in theaters both times. I did this. Uh, I did subtitles first time which was absolutely incredible and my preferred way overall to watch it. I did dub the second time specifically because the Heron, which is a truly unhinged performance in either language I knew was going to be portrayed by none other than Mr. Robert Pattinson. And he did not disappoint. You also got Dan Stevens, Dave Bautista, Willem Dafoe, uh, Christian Bale, lots of other people floating around in the American dub. If that's your sort of thing. Uh, it's still playing in theaters. It's doing quite well at the American box office. Uh, huge success overall. It's definitely going to be up for animation, and it really seems like a showdown this year between this and uh, Across the Spider-Verse. And obviously, based on its placement, you can tell where my loyalties lie. Um, I think this is a breathtaking movie on every level. Uh, the... The opening moments alone, some of the most arresting visuals I've I saw in a theater all year, uh, hit me in all the feels in ways I didn't even expect it to. Uh, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's inventive. It's unique. You've never seen anything like it. Uh, it's transfixing, bewildering, uh, immaculate. Uh, every adjective you want to throw at it, it's, it's ready to take them because it's just... It's as good as movies get in my book. Uh, the Boy and the Heron, as it's known in the States. But again, the movie's called How Do You Live? Uh, and it's, in my opinion, uh, not only my favorite movie of 2023, I think it's the best movie of 2023, personally speaking. And this is all because his son just doesn't, doesn't have the knack, right? Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, if, right. we, if we want to... If we want I mean, to you just shade. said all those. No, no, you just said all those beautiful things about this movie. I just want to make it clear. He handed the keys to his son, and basically was like, "Nah, never. You can't do it. Get out of here. Go build I mean, houses or something, right? Like that's what I heard. I mean, yeah, Goro. Uh, he just. I God mean, bless he's, him. He's but... tried, dude, but he just doesn't. He doesn't have the goods. I mean, yeah. we, I listen, here's my thing is like. I, we can't, I all, cannot, we can't all fall in our dad's footsteps, man. Well, yeah, it's also hard when your dad is like a genius who is one of the most revered artists of right. Like, I mean, hey, look, at least you lifetime. think you thought you you thought you had it. You thought you hey, give it a try, bro. You know, it's just I I can't imagine. Uh, we can't all be son. Ed Bagley Jr. 
you know and so much of this movie is also about legacy and it's very right. interesting yeah. like he's trying to leave something to the next generation but not it's very clearly like this for my grandkids like maybe my grandkids will do it if i ever um, get them because this country and this society we live in all these kids want to stay at home on their computers don't want to get out to nature and meet another child maybe have some babies yes japan i'm talking to you we have a we have a a, a, a human crisis on our hands anyways, population Sorry. he's he's retired multiple times and even after this there's now talk of him uh making a sequel to nausicaa um his first kind of like one of his first big feature length movies an adaptation of his his own manga uh which would be incredible to go back to fucking like 40 years later uh i believe that movie came out in 1984 yeah or i could be mistaken on that uh just yeah this was the the tippy top of the directors i love uh making a project this year and I could not have gone in with higher expectations. I mean, my only expectations were that it would be one of the most profound, moving, ecstatic theater going experiences of my life. That's all it had to live up to. <laughs> and it fucking dude, did, listen, dude. dude. It so, did. so did. What an incredible this, movie. Edit this out later. But what I want you to do is I want you to ramble like you've been doing about how great it is. But the last thing that you we that anybody needs to hear is they need to hear Ryan Gosling yelling out sublime from Barbie <laughs> as we end this episode. Just do whatever you got to do to make it happen. But I think that what, what, if what if that's the one drop that gets <laughs> gets this flagged on Spotify? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that probably would be you can happens. you can just do it. That's fine. I mean, um, I, don't, I can't do it any justice. Have you seen the bit where he's going on and on about all this stuff? And it's like dad didn't make the cut because everybody was laughing. So that's all he could do is just go around yes, the corner. Yes, and I, I, I sent I sent it you. You did send that to me. Yes, I did. I just want to apologize in front of everybody too for the whole Rick Moranis as as a Michael McDonald thing. That was the first reel I saw when I I pulled up Instagram. I thought you would enjoy it. I thought mom would enjoy it, but she didn't ever check her Instagram. So that's where I sent everything that I want to save. And dad has. Meanwhile, it was the last thing I. It was the last thing you sent me. So I I will check my reels, new reels from you first before sending you reels. Gotta check them. Um, this has been a nice, big, long discussion. Normally, you know, in years past, we've done honorable mentions, et cetera. But I, I feel like, I mean, I feel pretty great about going out on, on the note we did. Yeah. The one, two punch of the two best animated movies of the year. I think it's the first topping time I've picked our, an animated our, movie. Well, yeah. yeah and topping our list. I mean, mm -hmm. great year for animation. Uh, great, great year. Fucking movies, dude. Uh, I feel like as you were talking about, like late in the game, some stuff that like, you know, harken back to childhood. I feel like I've, I've maybe hit that nostalgic wave where I'm like, I'm a little nostalgic for just like the adult, like dramas and stuff that may, I have a lot on my extended list that were just like, oh, these were just like fucking, these were just solid. These are just like good movies. Like feel like i hadn't seen some stuff like this recently some ones that didn't come up uh that i don't want to bring up here because you know maybe we'll get into them. i do just want to ask did you get a chance to see the iron claw no i want to okay because that is one that i definitely thought i might hear creep up on your list it it's just outside for me i just saw it recently but a movie i would love to talk in depth with you about i was very very moved by it uh i found it you know it's it's a tough sit, but 
really a lot of really father son movie. stuff in that i don't know how how well equipped i am to handle that right now so uh, we'll figure it it's, out it's uh <coughs> it's a lot you yeah. did did you we'll leave on this note did you make time to go vroom vroom Signore Ferrari. Did you see a Ferrari? <laughs> if Italy wants a scapegoat, here I am. Is that a yes? Is that C? Yes. 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 C. yes. C. Okay. Well, Vroom. we'll leave that as a teaser. All I will say is it did make either of our top tens, but number one in our hearts as the host of Manhunters. Oh, yes. Definitely our favorite film of 2023, Michael Mann's Ferrari. And we'll be talking about it on watch, episode 14 next week, baby. Watch one man try to keep his company afloat, keep it out of any kind of turmoil, pick the perfect driver, and manage telling his his wife. Watch the, his... Ulti- watch the ultimate Michael Mann protagonist come to terms <laughs> with the idea that two objects cannot occupy. The same same space in time. (laughs) That, dude, sorry. Teaser for next week. That fucking monologue. I was (laughs) jacked. (laughs) Oh, I believe I messaged you before you went in. It's man manning all over the fucking place for two hours and ten minutes. So you said Ferrari fucks. And I was like, okay, I know where we're going. Like I everybody had told me, like everybody like everybody seemed kind of muted on it. Like we're glad to have him back, but like this is not like top tier. And I watched it and I was like I don't know if we got brainwashed by doing 13 weeks of that shit, but I was like, this is the most fucking Michael Mann ass movie I've ever fucking seen. And I loved every second of it. Great movie. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Okay. So next week, uh, we resurrect Manhunters and we talk Ferrari. Uh, Until then, uh, I have been Noah. I have been Gavin. And we've been the Blanchard Brothers. And these have been our favorite films of 2023. You've been listening to what we've been watching. Thank you to all of our incredible listeners for another fantastic year. This is the start of season eight of the Arc of E podcast. Come along on yet another fantastic voyage. If you're ready to party and you want to get down, bring your mom, your pa, and your Uncle James Brown, bring Auntie M and Toto too, and just say it alone. Sublime!